Welcome to this edition of DCS Talks, a podcast production of the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The intention of DCS Talks is to promote dialogue among child welfare professionals, foster parents, and the entire community about ways to prevent child abuse and neglect. My name is Tony Horton. I am a foster parent trainer at DCS, and I'm your host for this edition today. November is National Adoption Month, and in a moment we will listen to an interview with Miss Mandy Gibbs. She is a foster parent co-trainer who has adopted four children through the foster care program. To begin this conversation, I first wanted to know Miss Mandy's foster care background. I started my journey through foster care in 2012. I took my training courses. I got approved in late 2013. So it was late 2012 when I did my classes, late 2013 when I finally decided to go through with the approval process, and early 2014 when I was placed with children. Over the course of three years, I adopted four kids, and I actually also gave birth to one kid. So we went from zero to five kids in in about three years. It was a crazy journey. We closed our home after that and just focused on, you know, raising the kids that we had brought into the home. And that's what I continue to do today. Since then, I got a job in social work and am now a foster parent support worker uh, because I realized what a vital role that played in my journey through the foster care system. And I just really want to advocate for other foster parents and other foster children and hopefully give them a similar experience to what I had, which was really nothing but positive. If adding five children to the home in the span of just a few short months wasn't a big enough challenge, the diverse ages of the children placed also played a factor. My oldest was 13 when she came into the home. The youngest was one. The middle child was nine. And you know, later on, We would have a newborn and a four-year-old and an 11-year-old, and then another 15-year-old would join our home. So we had two teenagers, an adolescent, a toddler, and a newborn. (laughs) With such extreme age differences and having a newborn of her own during that time as well, I asked Mandy if she could recall any memories of having to juggle the responsibilities of multiple age ranges at once. Probably the funniest was me trying to teach two teenage girls how to drive with a newborn and one in a booster seat. I'm between the car seat and the booster seat teaching the girls how to drive. (laughs) It was a very stressful time for everyone. Wow. Some workshop and patience is in there somewhere. So going into fostering back in 2012, 2013, really using that year to understand what your role was as a foster parent and and understanding the weight of of beginning that journey. What was your goal in fostering when you were beginning? When I started my courses, I wanted to do what I think the majority of people want to do, and that was adopt a baby. My mind, though, was quickly changed as I went through the trainings. I kind of heard about what sort of family situations, what sort of home situations we were going to be looking at and realized that my goals needed to align with DCS a little bit better than, you know, what I had already set in my mind. So because of that, I really started to make a mental shift. Um, I wanted to not only foster children, but foster families and work diligently toward reunification. So was I 
intending to take teenagers ever? No. But when the opportunity presented itself, I really felt like it was it was the right fit for my family and my home, the composition of the children, having older kids and younger kids, because what people don't realize is those older kids can help out quite a lot with those little kids. They can't, um, little kids can't tell you what they need, but a lot of times those older children can help you interpret those needs for those younger children. <laughs> so I realized pretty quickly into my placement with a teen and a young child that I was in a situation that I felt like was pretty ideal. Throughout that process, like you said, you had children in your home from pretty much birth all the way up into mid to late teens. What were the biggest surprises, especially when you first started fostering? I think the thing that surprised me most was that the teenager still needed me. I knew that baby would need me. I knew that adolescent would need me. What I didn't know was that there was there was a child in a teenager's body. You know, they may look like adults to the eye, but their needs were still really great. There was a lot that I could still do for them, even though I knew my time with them could be very limited. And I think that's the case with every child that comes into foster care. You know, our time we don't know. We don't know how much time we get, and especially with a teenager. But I guess the thing that surprised me most was just realizing, first of all, that they would need me, and secondly, that they would bond with me. I really thought, oh, this is going to be maybe a contentious situation. I'm going to be always, you know, grappling for control and this and that. And while that's true pretty much with any teenager, it doesn't change the fact that you know, they are children who are in need of, you know, a bond, a parent bond. And that was, that was surprising. I didn't know that. I wasn't a parent before I was a foster parent. This was my first experience into parenting. And so I, I really didn't know what to expect. But I, I have to say that was what surprised me the most. And then, of course, teaching the life skills. I did not expect to teach two teenage girls how to drive. <laughs> that was years ago now, but I will never forget teaching those two how to drive. I think that was probably one of the harder times for all of us. <laughs> In that answer, you mentioned creating those bonds with the child. How did you make those important connections with the child who, especially coming in so late in their childhood, they've probably already seen other behaviors and other parents and other foster parents that maybe they, they, they put up a few walls. So how did you make those important connections with especially the older children? I think the important thing to do is meet them where they are. So come to them with no expectation. Maybe my lack of parenting experience was to my benefit in that I didn't have an expectation for how bonded they would be to me or how much that they would need me or how much we would be connected. And because of that, I met them where they were and they met me where I was too. So finding their interests and finding those connections and, and building connections where there aren't any. So if that means we watch YouTube for two hours on the couch, we can do that. That's something that <laughs> I'm capable of. If, if it is teaching them those life skills, like how to drive and how to cook, although it can be frustrating, it can be difficult, it can be trauma-inducing for you, those are things that kids don't forget. Those are those are those 
essential bonding moments. And I think we forget that there are a lot of those big growth moments that still happen between 13 and 18. I remember getting my daughters ready for their middle school prom and going, you know, going shopping for their dresses and getting them dressed up and ready, having those conversations about boys in the car on the way. There's a, there's a lot of growth that happens in that time. And there are a lot of those those things that you, if you think back, you really remember those moments with your parents from your childhood. You know, these were big, big things. And to be invited to be a part of that is kind of huge. Absolutely. And the idea that some of those life experiences maybe weren't on the table in every home that they that they went to. Prom gets to be expensive with dresses or suits. So I, I'm sure some of these things the children hadn't even planned on doing. You know, it wasn't even on the forefront of their mind. And, and you're able to do those day-to-day little things to help make those connections. And then when those big things do come around, they really will turn to you for support to make that connection as well. So as we said at the top of the podcast, November is National Adoption Month. We want to take a look at your family's adoption story. Start this with my birth story. You know, infertility was one of the reasons why we started looking into foster care and getting pregnant upon beginning foster care was something that we really didn't anticipate. (laughs) We had our termination of parental rights hearing when I was nine months pregnant. Wow. That was something else we didn't anticipate. So I was feeling a lot of emotion about moving forward with adoption while I was moving forward with the birth of my first child. And I'm so glad that I got to give birth before my adoption. I remember the emotions of getting ready to have my baby. There's just like this air of excitement and nervousness and joy and all of these things. And I will never forget that because it was so important to me. But that was in April. In September, when we did our adoption, I remember that morning, and I get emotional, feeling that same way. I had that nervousness and that joy that I felt when I gave birth to my baby. And I was worried that it wouldn't feel the same. And I was so relieved that it did. So I'll never, I'll never forget that. That's something that I couldn't replace. Had everything happened in any different order, I wouldn't have known. But because it happened the way it did, I got to know that although the experience was different, although the path that we took was different, those feelings and emotions of a human being becoming my child, the child that is mine in every sense, was the same. And I really, really appreciated that. So I think adoption is is beautiful. I think it can be it can be difficult and there are emotions surrounding that. There's an emotion of grief that surrounds that as well. But the overwhelming sense of pride and joy and relief and completeness that you experience on that day, I think far outweighs the grief and the sadness part of it. And I think it's really beautiful. Human connection plays such a strong role in life. And being able to experience childbirth and being able to know that that child depends on you. You are making the choice to take care of that child from birth. It's such a strong connection. But being able to have someone who is almost an adult themselves, you know, a teenager who is making that choice for themselves, and then also you're making that choice for yourself 
and for them as well. It's that agreement that is such a strong connection in and of itself too, that I'm going to rely on you and you're going to rely on me from now on. So moving forward, we will talk about aging out a little bit just to kind of understand this. In America, every year, around 23,000 children age out of foster care. Did the conversation of aging out of the system ever come up before adoption was on the table with your children? Yeah, my kids were 15 and 16, my older girls, when they were adopted, particularly with my 16-year-old. We had to have that conversation. We had to lay the options out for her that she didn't have to be adopted if she didn't want to be. And I will tell you that I approached that very nervously <laughs> because I was really afraid that she would say that she didn't want to be adopted and it was something that I knew I really wanted. And you touched on it just a moment ago. When they choose you, it's very different. It's kind of awesome because my younger kids, I mean, although I feel like they still kind of chose me, I mean, they really didn't have an actual legal say in the matter. But my older girls did, and they still chose me. And we still talk about that kind of regularly, that usually on, on their anniversary of their adoption day, I will send them a message because they're older now. They don't live at home. Uh, I, but I will send them a message, and I will just kind of pour my heart out to them and just say how grateful I am that they chose me and just what what a gift they were um and that they should never forget that they were also chosen and that is something that i guess i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade it for anything just having the conversation of do you want to make this permanent or not it's such a vulnerable conversation on both sides and the only way that conversation can happen in a healthy way is with an extremely close connection so the, the conversation of aging out, you did have that with, with the older children. Did they ever talk about, because of their age, the idea of themselves being, and I'm, and I'm putting this in quotes, being unadoptable because of their age? Like you said, when you first started out, you wanted to adopt a, a newborn. Was that conversation ever, you know, something that was maybe brought up? It was. And, you know, my one of my oldest being 16, 15 when she came to us had been in several different homes up until the point that she came to us and had really quite a difficult journey through foster care. And she was a very, very smart 15-year-old. People always commended her for the way that she advocated for herself within the system and advocated for her brother within the system. Really, when we would go into our meetings, she acted and participated like an equal partner in the meetings and i always just felt so proud of her for doing that but she has mentioned to me before you know that she was considered either difficult uh hard to place or unadoptable or whatever you know there are a, a myriad of terms that we use and on top of that you know children today have access to statistics and both of my girls being extremely smart had googled what the chances of being adopted at whatever age is so she knew where she stood statistically. And that kind of broke my heart a little bit. I hate that that's a word. And I, I hate that aging out of foster care is a thing. I had my way and being a foster parent uh, support person and you know, working with DCS and, and training foster parents, I will always, always advocate for my teenagers um, because I don't ever want a kid to hear the words that they're unadoptable because mine did and I know what it did to them. I'm glad that they didn't become a statistic. I'm glad that I was able to help them break that cycle. 
Mandy was right. The statistics for children aging out of the foster care system are shocking. More than 23,000 children will age out of the U.S. foster care system every year. After reaching the age of 18, 20% of the children who are in foster care will become instantly homeless. Only 50% of foster children who age out of the system will have some form of gainful employment by the age of 24. There is less than a 3% chance for children who have aged out of foster care to earn a college degree at any point in their life. Seven of 10 girls who age out of the foster care system will become pregnant before the age of 21. The percentage of children who age out of the foster care system and still suffer from direct effects of PTSD is 25%. But this is not just a problem that we face in the United States. Worldwide, there are over 100,000 children who age out of the foster care system every year. There are 17.9 million orphans in the world. Nearly 60% of young men who age out of the foster care system have been convicted of a crime. About one in four kids who age out of the foster care system will not graduate from high school or pass their GED. Those numbers aren't just statistics. They are real people in the world. And with folks like Mandy, the people in her home who could have been part of these statistics now, luckily, call her mom. So now let's return to Mandy's family adoption story. Was there a specific moment or time where you saw that your adopted children were fully accepted and they had fully accepted the idea of permanency? I think that to pat myself on the back. The moment that they came into my lives, they knew where my heart was. And I probably wouldn't recommend that everyone wear their heart on their sleeve like I do, because it really leaves you very vulnerable and easily hurt. But they knew really from the beginning that if things progressed to the point that adoption was on the table, that I absolutely wanted them there. That was something that I made very clear to them right away. And I could see that in their actions. And unfortunately for teenagers, those actions usually come out in the form of misbehavior. But I felt like that misbehavior was just really a sign that they felt really secure. But I think really what surprised me the most was watching them become adults and seeing how much they still needed me. That part of the permanency really hadn't hit me. And I think it really showed me how concrete my relationship was to them. So when they turned 18 and they graduated high school and they started to branch out on their own, every time they came back to me for support, for help, for holidays, to reach out to me on my birthday or on, on Mother's Day or whatever it was that they chose to do, that was the moment where I said, they really do think of me like their mom, like th this is a permanent thing. And they have showed me over and over again Again, how connected they are to me and how much they appreciate that connection. And I try, I try very hard to show my gratitude to them for that because it just was so unexpected. Adoption is an immensely joyous occasion, but oftentimes there's still a sense of grief and even loss through the process as well. Was this a challenge with, with your children? I think the loss of a parent, regardless of how it happens, is something that will impact them, would impact any child, you know, for the rest of their lives. And there is an even greater loss 
that's happening here when you consider that not only do they not have that relationship, they don't have that contact, but they can, because of social media and because of the news and because of everything else, still track the lives of the people you know who gave birth to them. And so there's always this sense of just grief and loss that kind of follows um, these children into adulthood. That is something that we make room for. That is the reality of adoption. And what's important is that you let them grieve, you let them talk about it, you make space for them in those moments, that we acknowledge there was also a person or people on the other side of this story who lost their children, who have also experienced great loss. And that while we're happy and we're comfortable and we're building relationships, that there's always that undercurrent. So for that reason, we make room for them on Mother's Day. We acknowledge them on their birthdays. I will post pictures of my kids publicly on my social media because although they will never ask for pictures, I know they come to look for pictures. So little things, little nods towards them that I can make. I think it's really important. And my kids know why I leave those pictures public. And although it's lessened over time, I don't think that they'll ever get over it. I don't think their grief will ever be complete in, in a sense. My adult daughters have chosen to continue that separation from their birth parents. That's a choice that every child can make, you know, when they turn 18. And they've chosen for their mental health to continue to stay disengaged from them. It was particularly hard, I think, when my daughter had a baby. Um, so I'm a grandma now. And I love that. And, and I know it was it was very hard for her to become a mother and not be able to share that with her birth mother. But again, we have learned through this experience that we make space we make space for grief. It's part of it. You touched on this a little bit earlier. We know birthdays are special. Those are celebrated. What do you do for that special occasion when your family came together? That adoption day or maybe the day that you signed the papers? Did you pick a specific day to celebrate that? We usually just go by their adoption day. Whatever day that they were adopted, that's that's our celebration day. In the beginning, we did celebrations. I sent flowers to the school for them or balloons or, you know, just little mementos or had gifts for them when they came home. Our adoptions are... Mm, but five, six years old now, five and six years old. And so that newness of that experience is kind of worn off for us over time. We still do acknowledge it. And usually what I like to do is I will either call or, you know, my, my adult daughters, I'll have to call them or, or text them if they don't answer my phone call. <laughs> And just let them know, hey, I want to remind you that you are chosen and special and this day means everything to me. And then for my younger ones, I will just kind of pull them close and talk about when you first came to me, you were a, you know, you were this child. And now look at you, you know, you have grown and, you know, you have a new last name and you are, you are my child and I'm forever grateful for you. And I love you so much. So we just, we have really simplified it to, yes, we acknowledge it, but it's not really the most important part of our story anymore. Our story is ongoing. We have grandchildren now and we have, <laughs> we have a very big life 
without adoption, it wouldn't be the same life. We are now just kind of living in this reality of this is our family, these are our children. And I will say that I think taking too much time to kind of acknowledge it is, is not the best for idea for every family because there is that grief that comes along with that. So while we will nod to it, we'll choose to celebrate birthdays and Mother's Day and you know, my favorite, which is Thanksgiving, and it's coming up, <laughs> and being together as an entire and complete family, which usually happens more often near, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I choose to kind of cling to those moments more. Any time that I can feed all of my children at the same time, you know, food is my love language. So <laughs> anytime I can feed them all, I am happy. <laughs> I really like what you said, spending too much time focusing on the adoption side of it maybe could take away the importance of being a foster child in your home. And it might take away those attachments that you created. You know, the question I asked was, do you celebrate that special day like the adoption day? But it, it sounds to me you became a family when you got that call from DCS, not when the papers were signed. The idea that it's not the adoption date, it's it's all the memories leading up to that too. And there's a lot of water under that bridge. So I do not want to discount the time that they were in foster care. We were building a lot of connection and memories and their first time at the beach, their prom, teaching them how to drive. These are things that happened before adoption. And I don't, I don't want to detract from that by saying, oh yeah, this is the day we became a family. Because like you said, it, becoming a family takes time. Becoming a family is really just building memories and building experiences and and connections. And it's a, a series really of firsts. And the fun thing about foster care is there are all kinds of firsts. And I will share a little anecdote. Their first time at Olive Garden, they had never been to a sit-down restaurant before. And they bring the bread and the water. And my son looks at me and he's like, we didn't order this. And just... Those cute little stories <laughs> of things that we think are so commonplace. Um, my 13-year-old recording the first time we went through the automatic car wash, which was something that I considered was very mundane. And I thought a 13-year-old is going to think this is so boring. No, she got her phone out and she recorded the whole thing. And just, it was like the magic of taking a little child was right there for her and I got to experience that with her. These are things that you don't think of when you talk about teenage foster care and teenage adoption. You don't think you're going to get, you know, that simple wonderment that you get with a three-year-old, but you would be surprised at the amount of firsts that you get to have <laughs> with your even your older children. Having a child come into your home when they're five, when they're 10, when they're 15, there are so many experiences that you think just happen in, in a natural 15-year-old's life. And then it, it kind of makes every day a little bit more exciting, too, because you don't really know what their first are. And even like a sit-down restaurant or a, or a car wash, you never would even think to ask about that. Wow, that, that really makes uh, every day exciting, I think. Yeah, it's an adventure. It is an adventure from day one, for sure. Well, Miss Mandy, thank you for joining us. I want to close out now that we've heard your story. If you were in someone's shoes that is just starting fostering, is there something that you would maybe want to tell them? Or if you can go back in time and, and tell yourself something. 
I think I will tell everyone the same thing that I tell people who take my training classes. You need to give yourself a great deal of grace and a great deal of mercy because while I just shared with you all the good parts, what I didn't share with you is the times that I broke down, the times that I wasn't the mom that I had envisioned with the little apron pushing the vacuum when the kids come home or whatever it is, the times that we cried together, the times that we yelled at each other, the times that things really felt like they were going to fall apart, the times when I called my spouse and said, I don't think I can do this for another day. And he would say to me, I think we have one more day in us. What do you think? And I would say, okay, I have 24 hours. I'll give you that. And then we'll rediscuss. We never had to discuss it again. Give yourself grace for the difficult times. Give yourself mercy for those times that you make mistakes. And remember to provide that same mercy and grace for the children of any age that come into your home, because we are all learning how to be a family together. We're all experiencing each other as a family for the first time. So we have to be kind to ourselves and to others. And just remember that no matter what body they come to you in, no matter what physical body they come to you in, it is still, they are still a child. Really in, in every sense that you can imagine, they need you. How they express that need varies from child to child, from age to age, but they need you. And you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And let's get these teenagers adopted. Let's take these statistics and let's just drop them and drop them and drop them. That would be my dream. Yeah. Miss Manny, thank you so much for joining us on the DCS Talks podcast. It has been a pleasure getting to know you and learn from you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. Anytime.